Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Sallallahu ta'ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa ba'd. An Anasin radiyallahu ta'ala anhu qala naha Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an tusbara al-baha'imu muttafaqun alayhi wa ma'nahu tuhbasu lil-qatli. Sayyidina Anas bin Malik radiyallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam forbade that animals should be tied up and killed. They should tie them up and torture them or do something repetitively to them that will end up killing them. وعن أبي علي سويد بن مقرن رضي الله تعالى عنه قال رأيتني لقد رأيتني سابع سبعة من بني مقرن ما لنا خادم إلا واحدة لطمها أصغرنا فأمرنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أن نعتقها رواه مسلم وفي رواية Abu Ali Suwaid bin Muqarrin narrates and this Abu Ali Suwaid bin Muqarrin he is as he mentions in the as he mentions in the hadith that he's one of seven brothers all of them made hijrah accepted Islam and made hijrah in the path of Allah Ta'ala all of them were counted from the companions and from among the muhajireen May Allah Ta'ala be pleased with all of them. So this is like a unique honor that they had, that seven of them, seven uh, uh, siblings, they accepted Islam together and they made hijrah. So they're good people. Uh, but he will mention something that is, you know, perhaps not compatible with the akhlaq of Islam, that the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told them how to rectify and they rectified it. He said that I saw myself uh, 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 as the seventh of seven uh, sons of Muqarrin, our father. And uh, we only had one, we had one, here the word Khadim literally means servant, but it means like a slave. There was one slave that used to take care of everything in the house, like a maid or a, key, a housekeeper or someone who helped to run the affairs of a house, a large ho- household. Uh, but she was treated in such a way that even the smallest, the youngest of us would slap her. And so the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam commanded us to free her. Uh, uh, and so uh, they, they freed her uh, for the sake of Allah ta'ala. When Abi Mas'ud al-Badriyi radiyallahu ta'ala anhu qala kuntu adribu ghulaman li bis-sawt fasami'atu sawtan min khalfi a'lam ya Abi Mas'ud falam afham al-sawta min al-ghadab فلما دنا مني إذا هو رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فإذا هو يقول اعلم يا أبا مسعود أن الله أقدر عليك منك على هذا الغلام فقلت لا أضرب مملوكا بعده أبدا وفي رواية فسقط الصوت من يدي من هيبته وفي رواية فقلت يا رسول الله هو حر لوجه الله فقال أما إنه لو لم تفعل لفتحت النار أو لمستك النار رواه مسلم بهذه الروايات أبو مسعود البدري رضي الله تعالى عنه narrates that I was beating a slave boy of mine with a switch with a stick small stick and I heard a voice behind me saying no أو أبو أبو مسعود and he said I didn't understand the the voice 
I didn't understand the voice because of how angry I was. And this is a thing that anger does to a person. It completely, like, neurologically it causes, like, large swaths of a person's cognitive abilities and even, like, their ability to see certain things or their ability to hear certain things. Just, like, large blocks of a person's neurological functionality shut down when a person loses their anger. So he said, I didn't understand that the voice because of anger. He said, so when it came close to me, uh, lo and behold, it was the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said, no, Abu Mas'ud, that Allah has more power over you. Meaning you're more uh, uh, within the complete control of Allah ta'ala, uh, uh, helpless then this boy is uh, helpless in front of your complete control. Uh, and so when he s- understood what was going on, he heard what the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. He said, I'll never beat a slave again. And uh, in the narration, uh, the switch fell from uh, uh, my hand from the awe of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And in another narration, uh, he's, he adds that I said, O Messenger of Allah, he is free for the sake of Allah. Hurul li wajhillahi, li dhatihi. He said that he's free for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and he said that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that uh, if you didn't do that, the fire would have been opened for you or the fire would have touched you. Uh, and it is a narration of Muslim. All of these are narrations of Muslim. Uh, when Ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma and the Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala man dharaba kulaman lahu haddad lam yatihi o latamahu fa inna kafaratahu an ya'tiqahu o ya'tiqahu ruahu muslim so there are a couple of narrations that that uh, just came back to back with regards to slaves. Uh, this is an important. Uh, it's an important concept people should understand and should be able to enumerate to other people, with regards to the defense of Islam from m- mudslinging allegations against it. One is that Islam uh, condones slavery and this is a bad thing, and. My personal opinion is that there are actually many scholars who have themselves. Uh, uh, mentally kind of like collapsed internally they've imploded with regards to this issue uh, not necessarily because they don't understand the different pieces of the puzzle or how they should put, be put together but because of their own um, very human and natural aversion to uh, uh, you know being made fun of or being uh, um, you know, treated uh, poorly because of something that is so uh, so completely anathematized uh, by the people around us because everybody is a human being everybody is a, the companions are people even the Anbiya even though we consider them to be ma'asum uh, and we believe with our iman that they're ma'asum they're divinely protected from error but they're still human beings like cold things are still cold hot things are still hot if a loved one something happens they lose a loved one they still get you know are sad about it etc all that stuff is there right so it's important to understand like, when people react a certain way to something, look at the Qur'an around that thing. You know, what are the, what are the, 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 the stacking of uh, stimuli and incentives and etc. so you can have a full picture. Uh, the issue is this is that Islam has something called slavery and 
uh, the, you know, America had something called slavery, but the concept was very different. Uh, we don't have a slavery based on race. And furthermore, we don't have slavery in which it's like the people are chattel, like they're actually like are, are literally one person is owned by another. So the Prophet ﷺ obviously forbade, uh, uh, you know, imagine slapping somebody in the face. So we're not Zahiris. The Zahir Madhab never really took much uh, hold in the Muslim world. Uh, um, although you, you might be forgiven for not knowing that if you look at some weirdos on the internet. But, uh, uh, you know, Zahiri Madhab didn't really take much rusukh in the Ummah, and we're not Zahiris. Uh, and so imagine this, if the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is, they obviously knew what they were doing is wrong in front of him for slapping a slave. And they were driven to, you know, for slapping or for beating a slave with a switch, uh, um, which is something people do to their own children. Uh, then what do you think about, like, what they used to do in America? What do you think, you know, like, where you see a slave, the back is so, you know, grossly, like, malformed and uh, filled with scars that are, like, like, deep enough that you could stick a finger inside. What do you think about, you know, uh, uh, filling slaves onto boats and ships where there's you know they can't move around and where you know they're so malnourished that they fight each other for the food and like you know just that that kind of like horrific treatment that no one would do to uh, their own children so it's a very different it's a very different institution if somebody still doesn't agree with it or still doesn't like it that's fine we can agree to disagree about that but uh, what we don't accept is that somebody should lie or misportray uh, what Islam is. And these are the teachings of Islam, that if a person is like this with the slave, the kafara of, of, of beating a slave that, that in a way that is uh, um, excessive, that doesn't have any uh, rhyme or reason, that's just uh, you know, a person harming another, uh, another human being that has no uh, islahi value, no rectification for any wrong or fault. Um, the kafara for the sin is that, that, that they should be freed. If a person uh, should be able to, a slave should be able to prove in court that this is a, a normal occurrence, then the judge will free the slave uh, on, uh, uh, on behalf uh, of themselves uh, because <laughs> our sacred sharia does not tolerate that. And how would it tolerate it? Again, it's, we don't follow the Zahiri Madhab. Imagine that the first hadith we read was about a... About what? It was about an animal that... An animal like a beast of burden that's like tied up uh, and, and tortured. The Prophet forbade that. And there's a number of hadith that will come then in, uh, in order uh, uh, that have to do with, again, the torture of human beings and the torture of beasts. If the torture of beasts, like non-human beasts, is like that, then the tariq awla, uh, uh, it should be that a human being is even more haram and even greater of a sin for them, for them to torture, whether that person is a free person or a slave. وعن هشام بن حكيم بن حزام رضي الله عنهما أنه مر بالشام على أناس من الأنباط وقد أقيموا في الشمس وصب على رؤوسهم الزيت فقال ما هذا قيل يعذبون في الخراج وفي رواية حبس في الجزية فقال هشام أشهد لسمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إن الله يعذب الذين يعذبون الناس في الدنيا فدخل على الأمير فحدثه فأمر بهم فخلوا رواه مسلم والأنباط فلاحون من العجم هشام بن حكيم بن حزام may Allah be pleased with both of them 
uh, uh, both of them are from Quraysh. Uh, Hakim bin Hizam uh, accepted Islam uh, on the uh, uh, after the Fath, uh, uh, um, and uh, uh, um, I believe this, the the Hisham uh, uh, accepted Islam uh, before his uh, uh, father, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, continuing uh, continuing he said that he passed by when he was in Sham uh, a, a group of Anbat of Nabataeans that were uh, forced to stand in the heat of the sun um, and uh, oil was poured uh, over their heads. Uh, so obviously right now it's really cold outside. You're like, oh, that sounds real nice. It's not nice, it's horrible. It's extremely hot and then the, the oil will close the sweat, the sweat glands and like, cause a person like, all kinds of pain and suffering. Person, the, natural, the body's natural ability to cool itself down will be compromised, so it's a type of torture. Uh, he saw that these Nebateans, what's a Nebatean? Um, they are Semitic-speaking people that live in the uh, kind of in the, the hinterlands between the northern part of the Arabian Peninsula and between uh, Sham uh, that were known to the Arabs to be uh, of Arab origin, of Arab stock, but they mixed with the uh, non-Arabs, like the Aramaic-speaking people um, that were uh, that were in Sham uh, and with the Romans and with the Persians. And they basically would farm for them, uh, and do like basically be in their employ to the point where their their Arabic became like kind of like a degraded form of what their Arabic was previously. Uh, and so they're Semitic speaking people, but their language was not. It was de- it was a kind of a degenerate form of, of Arabic. And to this day, uh, my understanding is that that uh, it, you know they have poetry in Arabic that's in the vernacular dialects that lacks any of the grammatical case endings um, uh, and is uh, just kind of a colloquial part. They'll refer to it as Sha'ar uh, Nabati. And, uh, but it's not, it's not Arabic. It's not like classical Arabic. So the Nabataeans, uh, uh, he said that there were a group of Nabataeans that were like being basically forced to stand in the heat of the sun uh, in the day and they, were ha- they had oil poured over their heads. And Hisham bin uh, Hakim bin Hizam, radiallahu uh, anhumah, uh, he, uh, 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 you know, he asked, "What's going on here?" And he was told that they're being uh, tortured because they didn't pay their taxes. Uh, Kharaj is right, the land uh, of uh, the like all arable land in uh, um, uh, uh, um, all arable land in the uh, uh, in the world that is used for agriculture. It's either the land of Urshad or Kharaj, meaning that there's a taxation rate that, that, uh, that, that's levied against it. Urshad is that a tenth of the produce should be given in zakat. Kharaj is whatever negotiated rate was given at the time of surrender, if it's conquered uh, through force. Uh, and so the, rates, uh, the rate is kind of like a feature of the land. It, it will stick with the land in perpetuity and then whenever it's sold or whatever, you know, it stays with the land. You just like over here, you know, a house might be worth more money because it has low taxes or maybe worth like, you know, ironically, ironically, if you, you know, buy a house in Glendale Heights, which is, you know, it's not the nicest suburb. That's kind of why all Muslims end up there. Uh, um, 
it's really high taxes for the prices of the houses. But if you go to like Oak Brook, where there, I guess, a, a gang of Muslims there too, mashallah, where you buy these huge mansion-y type houses, the rate of taxation is actually far lower uh, per, per per dollar. Anyway, whatever. So it's it, the the land has it's a feature of the land how much taxation is. It will cause the valley to go up and down, etc. So uh, those were lands of Kharaj. And so the, 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 the taxes are due with uh, the harvest of every, uh, every crop. So I said that they were, they're, they're, being, they're being punished because they didn't pay the kharaj from the, from the land. And uh, uh, in another narration, they were, uh, it wasn't the kharaj, but it was jizya. Because the word kharaj can also be used in general to mean a tax. Uh, so that they were, uh, that they were uh, imprisoned because they didn't pay their, their jizya. Uh, and Sayyidina Hisham radiallahu anhu he said uh, I bear witness indeed right because this is a thing that they do on <coughs> like on social media and stuff right you got you get to like monitor social media right all the like super right wing like Zionist like anti-Muslim uh, like guys they'll be like if any like non-Muslim like any white Christian will ever say anything positive about Islam what, the, what will they say they'll say you're being a dhimmi right which is like Okay, they turned it into kind of like a cuss word or like a pejorative or whatever. So they'll be like, ah, look, see, it's in the hadith. These guys are getting like boiled in oil on a hot day uh, because they didn't pay their jizya. So what happens? The companion of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his tribesman walks in and he yells at them that you can't do this. And uh, he went to the emir uh, that was over that, 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 that area. And he t- uh, told him, he said, I heard the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say that uh, indeed, it's a la sami'tu. It's a, uh, he said that, 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 that not only is the hadith, not only is it a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi but I heard it myself. And he's in an emphatic way saying, I heard it myself because not all the hadith that they used to tell to each other, there's Mursal Khafi between the companions of the Allah and not always would they say, I heard this myself. He said, I heard it myself from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, uh, indeed Allah will. Uh, torment those who torment people in this world uh, and so uh, 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 he went to the Amir and he, he, he told him he told him this hadith of the messenger of Allah وسلم, and he commanded that they should all be let go so he desisted from, from this thing which was obviously not a, a right thing to do it's like a financial penalty you don't like torture people over it when Ibn Abbas al-Wajhi فَأَنْكَرَ ذَلِكَ فَقَالَ وَاللَّهِ لَا أَسِمُوهُ إِلَّا أَقْصَى شَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْوَجْهِ وَأَمَرَ بِحِمَارِهِ فَكُوِيَ فِي جَعِرَتَيْهِ فَهُوَ أَوَّلُ مَنْ كَوَلْ جَعِرَتَيْنِ رواه مسلم والجعرتاني ناحية الوريكين حول الدبر Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas رضي الله تعالى عنهما said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم saw a donkey that was branded in the face Right, you take the hot iron and you you take a brand that kind of marks it as your as your property that it was branded in the face, and uh, he he uh, uh, he detested that. He expressed his uh, he expressed his uh, uh, detesting of that, uh, and he said, "By Allah, uh, I, I would not I would not uh, brand it except for in the farthest part uh, from the body." So uh, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, although the hadith it could, it could be interpreted that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did it, but the commentators say that Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, um, he uh, commanded that, the, that his donkey be branded in the, in the back of the hindquarter. Um, 
and uh, he, he he was the first person who branded the animal uh, in the back of the hind quarter. Otherwise, people used to brand them in the face. Wa anhu radiyallahu anhu anna Nabiya sallallahu alaihi wasallam marra alayhi himarun qad wusima fi wajhihi faqala la'anallahu alladhi wasamah rawahu muslim Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas radiyallahu anhuma mentions that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed by a donkey that was branded in his face or in its face and he said may Allah curse the one who branded it وفي رواية لمسلم أيضا نهى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الضرب في الوجه وعن الوسم في الوجه and that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم um, he uh, forbade beating in the face uh, or branding in the face obviously if this is for an animal then for uh, for a human being it's even worse may Allah Ta'ala forgive us all and protect us I mean uh, so before moving on to the next chapter, I wanted to mention this is also a very strong proof with regards to the, the heavy dysfunctionality in the uh, in the halal industry. If you go and see a plant where uh, where cattle are raised and, and where uh, chickens are raised, it's completely all of this torture is like barbarity. It's nonsense. It's horrible. It's completely haram. And, uh, you know, sadly, what happens is that the most elite, hyper-elite religious amongst us are the ones who look, was it slaughtered correctly? But uh, very few people will pay attention to, is it raised correctly? Of the sharia is the sharia, the master gives a command, we don't pick and choose. That is the, the, the attribute of the corrupt from Banu Israel. Allah Ta'ala chastises them at uh, uh, do you believe in some part of the book and you disbelieve in other parts of it for the punishment of such people is not, not except for humili- humiliation in uh, the life of this world and on the day of judgment they'll be returned to an even more severe torment so we see that the point of all these stories of Banu Israel and all the chastisements in the Quran is not so we can say, haha, look how screwed up these people are. Some of them do it themselves. Like the most ridiculous instance of a tu'minuna bi ba'dul kitab wa You don't believe God even exists, but you believe He gave you the land, right? But the point is, is what? Is that this is not there so we can look down on other people. This is there so that we can. <coughs> Avoid going down the same path that they went down because someone from the Ummah is going to do it before the Day of Judgment. So we ourselves should not be like that. So don't just look at whether it's halal to consume or not. Look at how is the animal raised. Someone says, well, you know, this is difficult. It's overwhelming. Okay, nobody says that you have to, like, rectify the whole animal welfare industry in, like, one day. But, like, if you know something like an egg, you know, a carton, a dozen eggs is, like, raised in a more humane, the egg, the chickens are raised in a more humane way, or some meat is, and it's just, like, a dollar more or something like that, spend the money on that, don't spend it on something else. Because really what it is, you're, che- you're cheating. That's how much things actually cost. The rest of it is all theft. It's the huck of uh, other living things, whether it's a human being or whether it's a, an animal. It's a huck that you're stealing from them. And uh, that's the way a person should look at it. That's the, the cost of doing business is those things. And you'd be surprised. You know, you can keep a couple chickens in your backyard. You can keep a goat in your backyard. Many cities allow that now. 
um, you can do stuff. Uh, the person who wants to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, Allah ta'ala will open their mind and heart and show them ways of doing things that are better than other ways. And uh, I know, like, you know, for example, God forbid a person skip eating meat one day. I know there's a lot of, like, uh, uh, whatever, red pill bro, bros uh, on, on the internet who will, like, be like, oh, look, this guy's whatever. You know, like, I don't, I'm not a vegan. But if I had to skip a meal and eat a vegan meal for the sake of pleasing Allah Ta'ala one time, I wouldn't be ashamed of it. I'm not saying you have to. I'm telling you, like, make solutions to these problems. So you don't have to be a vegan if you don't want to. But I'm just saying that, like, you also don't shouldn't make it such a humili- humiliation or whatever that a person shouldn't be able to give something up for the sake of Allah Taala every now and again, or until they can figure out something that they, that's a better thing to do, and that's the better like middle path between like some people who are extreme saying, "Look, I don't understand how a Muslim can eat meat nowadays," and then on the other flip side, you know, it's like, no, until you're eating like, you know, like beef liver blood dripping off of your beard, you know, you're a Hindu or whatever. Like that doesn't. That's, that's, that's all just emotional overreaction on both sides. Uh, so this is important. And this has to do with the halal industry, which makes it... I hate to beat a dead horse, you guys, much I feel bad, right? You probably heard it from... You heard all this stuff, you heard it from me a thousand times. Sometimes don't wonder even why I bother showing up to these things or why you guys come or anything. But, like, look, imagine if it's that bad with the certified double, triple black belt, like Sigma Six Ninja black belt halal, right? Imagine the dudes were telling people, yes, you know, it's in Ahlul Kitab... Go eat some McDonald's. It is halal. Yani, like what? What is that? Like what? Where? What sunnah? What deen? What analysis? What fiqh? What ilm? What? What is that? Uh, what is that? I, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what problem that's all. Is that people make it easy on people? I, I don't understand how that's making it easy on anyone, because uh, you know the Prophet ﷺ passed by a donkey that got branded in the face, which is sucks, but it's less than getting killed and eaten, right? And he said he passed by and said a la'na on the person who branded it in the face maybe it would be good for us to like I don't know not be uh, 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 covered under the uh, la'na of the one who was sent as rahmah lil alameen and uh, you know that's the best way you can vote you vote with your dollars it's easy other people have really big problems in the world right now uh, for us this is a really like uh, small issue to, to manage incrementally you don't have to again burn the whole house down in one day just like start thinking about it next time you have a choice in front of you and you know, look into it a little bit باب تحريم التعذيب بالنار في كل حيوان حتى حتى القملة ونحوها the chapter regarding the prohibition of <coughs> tormenting with fire all living things, uh, including including even lice or something like a like an insect like that that seemingly has no beauty or or value. وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه قال بعثنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في بعث فقال إن وجدتم فلانا وفلانا لرجلين من قريش سماهما فأحرقوهما بالنار ثم قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حين أردنا حين أردنا الخروج إني كنت أمرتكم أن تحرقوا فلانا وفلانا وإن النار لا يعذب بها إلا الله فإن وجدتمهما فاقتلوهما رواه البخاري uh, Abu Huraira narrates that the uh, Messenger of Allah sent us uh, um, 
sent a detachment out, uh, sent us out in a detachment, and he said, if you find so-and-so and so-and-so, two, he said it about two men from Quraysh, and he named them. He said, then burn them alive in fire. Uh, uh, then after some time, uh, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when we were ready to get up and leave, he said, I, I had ordered you to burn so and so and so and so with fire, but nobody has the right to uh, torment by fire except for Allah. So if you find them, just kill them. Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala kunna ma'a Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi safarin fantalaqa li hajatihi faraayna hummaratan ma'aha farkhan fa'akhadna farkhayha fajjaat al-hummaratu fajjaat ta'rishu fajjaat nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqala man fajjaat hadhihi biwaladiha ردوا ولدها إليها فرأى قرية نمل قد أحرقناه قد حرقناها فقال من حرق هذه قلنا نحن قال إنه لا ينبغي أن يعذب بالنار إلا رب النار رواه أبو داود بإسناد صحيح وقوله قرية نمل معناه موضع النمل مع النمل سدت Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhuma narrates that we were with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a trip and uh, he went to uh, take care of his, his business uh, meaning his personal uh, personal things and uh, we saw a, a small bird that had two chicks with it two baby chicks with it so we took the chicks and uh, the, uh, the bird uh, came and was like flying over Hovering over and trying to cover over the the, the chicks, and the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam came and said, "Who, who pained uh, this uh, bird uh, on account of its progeny? Uh, return its progeny to to her." And uh, he saw a an ant colony that we had burned, and he said, "Who burned who burned all of these?" And we said, "We did." And he said that uh, it, it's not right uh, to for anyone to torment by fire except for the Lord of Fire. So the Prophet ﷺ chastised them for playing with this, like these baby bird chicks, the amount of pain it caused to their mother, and he chastised them for burning a, an ant colony. You have to understand in Jahiliyyah, they used to do this to like one another. This is like the people that was like their profession, their business was to like kill people and take stuff. So, you know, a lot of people were probably not you know, in tune with like animal rights or whatever. And the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wasn't like one of these crazy like, you know, um, PETA activists or whatever, right? Human beings eat other animals, animals eat other animals. He wasn't like that. But the idea of giving pain or suffering to another living thing without need, uh, that's, uh, that's what he's, he was trying to say. To the point where imagine Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is rahmatullahi alameen. It's so rare that you find that the Prophet ﷺ would do something like give an order to have someone killed. It happened, but it was very rare. And they probably deserved it. They probably deserved to be burned alive. And statistically, it's quite probable that they were still forgiven anyway. 
but uh, even then, that was his fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though he could have gotten away with it, no one would have said a word to him. And to show like weakness or double-mindedness in front of your soldiers is not kind of a way of um, cultivating authority. <coughs> but it was his fear of Allah ta'ala that, that caused him to, uh, to say that. Uh, inshallah, we'll read one more hadith and then we'll pause for question and answers and the current thing and, and, and the rest. باب تحريم مطل الغني بحق طلبه صاحبه قال الله تعالى إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمان أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وقال تعالى فإن أمن بعضكم بعضا فليود الذي الذي تمن أمانته الله مستحيل said that indeed Allah commands you to render uh, uh, trusts to those uh, to whom they are uh, they are to be rendered and Allah Ta'ala says when some when some of you are uh, uh, secure uh, from others then let them uh, render uh, let, let them uh, let the one who has been trusted render his trust um, this is a chapter regarding what the prohibition of a person, a rich person, uh, delaying uh, fulfilling uh, the rights of their companions. Here, rich doesn't mean like, okay, like if you're Bill Gates, you get haram to like repay a loan. It means if you have some, you owe someone money or you owe someone something um, and you're able to, you're able to render it. Then it's haram to it's haram to uh, it's haram to delay in rendering it. Um, if, for example, if you agree with someone that you pay them next week and they ask for the money this week, then this hadith is not about that. Uh, this hadith is about a person who the loan is due right now and you have the ability to render it, and uh, or it might cause you some minor inconvenience, but you just you're not rendering it for some reason or another. People should pay their debts on time. It's also good financial uh, uh, habits. Uh, to keep on top of your expenses and keep your businesses running well but some people do that they just leverage other people and they ask them to come back next week and they know people oftentimes don't have the ability to collect uh, from them by force so they have no choice except for to, to wait uh, so that's that's haram uh, if you don't have the money then obviously if you're if you are not able to render the the render the loan back or the trust back, whatever it is, and you didn't do it on purpose, it's just circumstance, then it is what it is. But don't say like, well, I'm not rich. But you have like, you owe someone $5 and you have $10 in your wallet. Just give it back. The, the point is that you have the ability to discharge your, your debt. وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال مطل غني ظلم وَإِذَا أُتْبِعَ أَحَدُكُمْ عَلَى مَلِيءٍ فَلْيَتْبَعَ مُتَفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ وَمَعْنَا أُتْبِعَ أُحِيلًا Sayyidina Abu Hurairah رضي الله تعالى عنه narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that for a person, a wealthy person to delay repayment is an act of transgression and if one of you is has gone to collect a debt from somebody and they say take it from so and so person who has the debt like I can't take it right now but they've made arrangements to carry, carry the debt forward so for example 
uh, Sadiq, uh, he, uh, you know, borrowed $100 from me because he knows I'm making the big Rabat money. And so, uh, so okay, yeah, no problem. So, and then I, next, you know, he said, I'll pay you back in a month. A month goes by. I'm like, hey, where's my money? If he says, he says, ask, you know, Talha, I talked to Talha. He said he'll pay you back. Instead of saying, no, I, you give me my money. Why are you wasting my time? This if you know that he's genuinely in a difficult time and you have an idea that Talha will probably be able to repay the money easier, then go ahead and extend that courtesy and take the money from from the person to whom the debt was transferred. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give tawfiq wa sallallahu ta'ala wa rasulih sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Are there any questions?